<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. Podcast. This is Dustin, and this is a late week Thursday podcast, and we wanted to get one out this week. We didn't. Rob and I weren't able to get one out last week because he was working a lot, and he was out of town, and I was working a lot, and we had other things to do. We are working men. We do not podcast full time, but we appreciate that some people think we should. Uh, I I'm making that up. I hope some people think we should. That would be awesome. But unfortunately, at this point, we are still working people. And speaking of Rob, Rob's not here. He is working, as I just said. So it's just going to be me tonight. It's going to be a short podcast. But I want to get one out just before our game tomorrow, uh, which is Friday. So you're probably listening to this on Friday if you're listening to it at all. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to preview the game. We're also going to look back a little bit at the Florida State game just for a hot sec. And we're going to take a look at our opponent, Gardner Webb. Okay. And we might, uh, we don't like to look ahead anymore because of things in the past that have happened, but we might take a look at Oklahoma and Ole Miss. If we do make it to the second round, we will play one of those two teams, whoever wins. So we'll take a look at that. But first, let's go back to last Friday. So a week ago, when we took on Florida State in the ACC tournament semifinals, we ended up losing to Florida State by 10 points, 69-59. It was not a great game played by our team. We are definitely better, and we, we know this because we beat Florida State by um, double digits. Uh, we were up by 29 on Florida State with less than three minutes left. So we know that we can beat Florida State. Florida State actually had a really good game plan today. They used their length to their advantage. They were able to run us off those ball screens they were able to disrupt our passing. We weren't able to get good shots off, and it showed. We um, shot really bad from three. We only made five out of 24, which is good for 21%. And they had a really good game. They made a lot of tough shots. David Nichols uh, had 14 points, and he was the guy who, if you remember at one point, we had a, we went really small with Braxton at the five and DeAndre at the four. Kihei was playing the one, and they really went at Kihei a lot. During that time, that was David Nichols. He's only 6'1", but he was still able to bully Kihei down low, uh, post him up, and he got 14 points out of it. Honestly, I don't think... And a lot of people are saying this on social media, and Rob and I have talked about this too. We would much rather lose this game than a game in the tournament. And I think there's some precedent to that. 
because it's very difficult to win the NCAA tournament if you've also won your conference tournament. I think there's only been three or four in the last you know, 10 or 15 years that have done that. Uh, it's really hard to do just because you've got to win three or four games in three or four days. And then you've got to go to the NCAA tournament where it's just a grind for three weeks where you've got to win those six games in a row. Once again, I'd much rather lose now than later. Uh, it still sucked, you know, because I didn't think we played the best game. And we can get into some of the details of that right now. And uh, let's let's do a Jay Huff segment real quick. As So Jay Huff, during the Florida State game, did not play well at all. And let's throw Mamadi in with him, okay? And so between Mamadi and Jay Huff, they were oh, uh, they were one of seven from the floor, okay, with Mamadi making one, two. They had two free throws between them, and they had zero rebounds, two turnovers between them, and four fouls between them. So a really bad game from two of our you know, most offensively versatile big men, uh, considering that we were playing one of the biggest teams in the country, it sucks that our big guys did not have a good game. Uh, and specifically, you know, Jay got beat early on. Jay only had seven minutes. He didn't play that much. But Mamani also, there was a couple of times where he got beat uh, defensively. He got lost, but also just out-hustled and out-rebound. There's one point where... A much smaller guard was able to out-rebound Mamadi. He just went up over him. He didn't go over the bag. It wasn't a foul, but he went up over him. And Mamadi just got out-hustled. And so I think at that point, Tony decided to go small. And this is where a lot of people started to have problems with what was going on in the game. Because going small, at least this is what I thought at the time, going small against a really big team did not seem like a great idea. But considering all the problems that our big men were having, you know, Jack is not an offensive firepower, and he he played 18 minutes. He had eight points, which is really good for him. But he couldn't play the whole time, so Tony decided to go small. We had on the floor Kihei, Ty, Kyle, DeAndre, and Braxton, and it didn't work. And so I think Tony tried to go small to counteract a little bit, but Florida State really took advantage offensively on that, and they were able to bully us down low, bully us on the boards. Uh, They out-rebounded us by a significant margin. Florida State had 35 rebounds. We only had 20. So it was a really big difference maker in how much more physical they were with us and how much bigger they were than us. I think that we should not overreact. And I think there was a lot of overreactions to that. And I think if... (laughs) You know, this this doesn't, isn't the true for everyone, but I think a lot of fans had PTSD to last year against UMBC. And even though the UMBC game and the Florida State game this year were very, very different scenarios, I, it happened on the same weekend, you know, St. Patty's Day weekend. It happened around the same time of the year. And I think a lot of people just were taken back to that time. And I think that a lot of people realized or, or thought they realized that we have problems winning in March. And this is true. This is something that we have known. This is something that we are still working on as not only as a fan base, but as, you know, the basketball team is working on this. They they have openly acknowledged that they need to do better. Their expectations have not been reached in March. And at that point, it's important to realize that 
one game is not going to define how we play in the NCAA tournament. Now, I know that offensively we were not good. Once again, our threes weren't falling. Uh, that's where a lot of, you know, we're a really good shot-making team, but when the shots aren't falling, we need another way to get inside. And we weren't able to do that because Florida State is just so much bigger than us. Uh, they were altering shots. They didn't get a lot of blocks. They only had three blocks. But they were able to disrupt a lot of what we wanted to do with their length, with their athleticism. Right now, I want to go back to the reaction to this loss. And I think a lot of people overreacted. There's a lot of um, hate on the players. There's a lot of hate on, not hate, but uh, questioning a lot of the decisions that were made. And I think, and I said this on Twitter, I, we, you know, who are we to question Tony Bennett? And just because of something did not work in this situation, it doesn't mean that he doesn't know how to coach in March, right? Coaching in March is the same as coaching in any other season, just with a lot more on the line. Tony does a great job coaching during the regular season. We all know that. We've seen that over the past, you know, 10 years. He he knows how to coach in the regular season. But he's had that hump in March that he can't quite get over yet. And that's tough for us, and that's tough for him. We, we want that success. We want uh, the basketball team to have that success. And they will have it eventually. It's just we if we if this keeps happening over and over again, we're we're gonna think that it's we're never gonna get there. What I'm trying to get at is that just because of one game doesn't mean that the whole team can't win in March. It just one decision or one off night doesn't mean that we're gonna make bad decisions or have bad nights every single time. And you know this goes back to last year even. You know it was the perfect storm of injuries, off shooting night, great shooting night for UMBC. And so all that put together was the perfect storm for the biggest upset in college basketball history, which of course we'll live with forever. And I think our players are definitely still living with it now. Uh, we're going to talk about those expectations in a little bit, but going back to the Florida State game, I think it's important to realize the context of it and how it's you know, it wasn't the end of the season by any means. We still have at least one more game to play, hopefully more, hopefully six more games, and we'll see how it goes from there. But that game does not define who this team is. We are much more versatile than last year. We are better offensively than last year, and we're pretty good defensively too. We're a little bit different defensively. We're not a shutdown, but we are still really good. And I think it goes to show that this team can win in a lot of different ways. We can lose in a lot of different ways too. You know, not making threes, big men not playing well, uh, athletic team disrupting us. But I think that when we look ahead to the teams that we could play in the NCAA tournament, things could look a little bit brighter. So let's go ahead and do that. So our game on Friday is going to be around 310. It's on True TV. And we are playing Gardner Webb, the running Bulldogs, and they they um, are ranked 165 on Kim Palm, and of course Virginia is number one. Fun fact: Gardner Webb is higher ranked on Kim Palm than UMBC was last year by about 30 spots. So do with that what you will, and it's probably not good stuff. But I think it's worth mentioning that this team is statistically better than last year's team that we played, but. I think something that's important to note is that this Gardner-Webb team does not have a player that they play um, that gets significant minutes taller than 6'6". 
Now, there's a couple different ways that our team can attack that weakness. That's a weakness for them, right? Their defense is not nearly going to be as good as our offense, right? Their defense is ranked 200, uh, 251 in the country. Their offense is ranked 109. So they're they're more efficient on offense than they are de- on defense, but I think that their height disadvantage is something that we can take advantage of as well. We can either match down with them by playing Kihei and Braxton and DeAndre and Kyle and Ty going really small like we did against Florida State. And of course, that didn't work against Florida State because we were way smaller than them at that point. But even with our very small lineup, we would still be taller than them. We would have that height with DeAndre, with Braxton. And Ty and Kyle are also really good rebounders. They play bigger than they are. The other way we could attack that is if we go super big. We can uh, throw Jay Huff in there. We can throw Mamani Dikite in there. We can have Mamani and Jay on the court at the same time. They would not be able to stop us if we had that uh, lineup out there. But of course, Tony's not going to sacrifice defense for offense. We... We have come to know this. Uh, he hasn't said that outright ever, but this is something that we see. You know, if you're not playing well on defense, you're not going to play offense. You're not going to be on the court. If Jay is unable, Jay, you know, Jay's 7-1. He's got, what, seven inches on on their tallest player that they're going to play. So it's not going to work out if Jay is going to have to guard someone who can drive right past him because they're, you know, faster than him. So I'm not sure what Tony's going to do with that. It'll be interesting to see uh, if we go small, if we go big, or if we just kind of play our normal medium size, you know, with a with a Jack and DeAndre, Kyle Ty, and Kihei. But of course, that's why we watch the games. We don't know what's going to happen. So we watch them to see what the coaches are going to do with that. I'm interested to see what's going to happen. I think we'll do a little bit of both. I think we'll go small. I think we'll go big. But eventually, at the end of the game, I think... Most of our points are going to come from us going smaller than we're used to. I think that Kihei's going to play a lot. I think that DeAndre and Braxton are going to have to have good games rebounding. I think Kai and uh, sorry Ty and Kyle are going to have to make some shots. Um, and I hope that you know we take advantage of this instead of you know shy away from it, like you know sometimes we have in the past. Uh, the other thing about Gardner Webb is that they are a good three point shooting team. So this is kind of like you know throwing back you know to last year when UMBC made a ton of threes you know UMBC wasn't known really as a good three-point shooting team but Gardner-Webb is Gardner-Webb is 38th in the country in three-point percentage they shoot about 37.7 percent from three and their effective field goal percentage is 54.8 which is really good considering uh what effective field goal percentage is that is when you take into account uh twos made and also the the more difficult three-point shot as well as the added bonus of the three-point shot. So when you, you when you have an effective field goal percentage of 54.8, that's good for 27th in the country. They make a lot of shots. They can uh, shoot really well. They're good on offense. Uh, defensively, their height is a factor, so hopefully we can take advantage of that, as I already said. Um, honestly, Rob and I were talking before this, and neither of us are too worried about tomorrow. You know, this, it goes back to last year and and how our mentality was last year. You know, we should take care of this team. We should be able to roll into the second round without too much worry. But of course, we know now that that doesn't happen. And so taking this game for granted is not going to work. So I hope our guys come out tomorrow. I hope they're focused and I hope that they are ready to 
do the job what they need to do. And honestly, I think that they're not going to have any fun tomorrow. Part of the NCAA tournament is having fun. You know, when you win, you're winning in a fun way. You're winning with your team. You're moving on to the next round. I think this is more of a job for them than it is, you know, having fun with your teammates. This is something that they need to get over. This is something that they need to escape from, basically, is this first round, you know, looming over them. There's so much pressure on them to win now because they lost last year. And that's unfair, really, because there's already a lot of pressure on them as being the number one seed in the South and, you know, haven't made a Final Four yet. But add on to the pressure that we lost to a 16 seed last year. We have to play a 16 seed again this year. I think it's just a lot of pressure for those players, and I hope that they can take it well. Uh, I mean, Kyle's been doing that all season where he's, you know, been talking about UMBC and the UMBC loss. We haven't really heard it from Ty at all, the the other leader. I mean, I guess Ty might not be as vocal as Kyle about that, and I'm wondering how he's going to take it. I think that something that will be important is to get Dre off to a good start. You know, Dre didn't play last year, and let's remind ourselves, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have any you know lingering effects from it. But because he didn't play, he might not have as much you know, pressure on him to perform as well. So I think getting Dre off to a good start, I think getting Ty and Kyle off to a good start, you know, our big three, getting them good, getting them going, and I think we should be fine. I think just getting past those first 10 minutes are going to be great for our team. With that being said, let's hope that we beat Gardner-Webb. And let's go on, and I know this is, you know, not... (laughs) This goes against everything I believe in, but let's think about the game after where we could play either Ole Miss or Oklahoma. Let's take a look at Oklahoma first. The The thing about Oklahoma that that this season is that they are good defensively. Usually when you think about Oklahoma, you think back to, you know, Buddy Heald, Trey Young, really good offense, but this year they don't really have that player, that star player that they can really rely on. And so this year, their their offense is really spread out, actually. Everyone is pretty much very efficient in their offense, the people who play a lot. And, but the thing that they are resting the hell on this year is their defense. They, um, they're the 22nd best defense in the nation, uh, according to Ken Palm. They uh, play, they, their defense slows things down a lot, so their opponents have to take a long time. They don't foul that much. They're very good at not fouling. And they're also really good at limiting opponents' three-point attempts. So they run people off the line, they don't foul, and they cause people to take a long time in the shot clock, which some teams, you know, are uncomfortable with. But with Virginia, that's pretty much our whole offense. We spend a lot of time in the shot clock. We get we look for that open look. I think that if we match up with Oklahoma's defense, it's a really good matchup for us. Now, if we look at the offense... It's also a really good matchup for us because Oklahoma is not that great of an offensive team, 71st in the nation, but their two-point percentage of field goals is only is less than 50, uh, which is good for 201st in the country. And they do shoot at a better three-point clip, 34.2%, uh, which is 179th in the country. So they have some three-point shooters, but they don't take a lot of three-point shots. So they only uh, 28% of their points come from threes most of them come from twos so 
Oklahoma's not going to score a lot of points. Oklahoma's going to try and get out and run as well. They try and uh, boost the tempo on offense, slow it down on defense. And, you know, that plays kind of right into Virginia's style of play. If we play Oklahoma, I really like our matchup. The only person who um, scares me on Oklahoma would be Brady Manick, who is a 6'9 sophomore. He is a 220, and he shoots 35% from three. Uh, he's also a really good two-point. Uh, you know, he's got good touch inside. He shoots around uh, 57% from inside the two-point range. So he's a good player. He's a really good player. But I think with our defense, you know, something that we try and do is we try and, you know, clog the lanes, try and limit their two-point possessions, try and run them off the three-point line. I think that the, that plays really well into us, especially if they – they don't. They're not good at shooting twos in the first place. Uh, they don't score a lot of points, and they try and run on their opponents. And so that's something that all plays into Virginia's style of defense. So if we play Oklahoma, I think that would be a really good matchup for us. Uh, now, if we move on to Ole Miss, I think that you know the matchup is a little bit different because it's kind of flipped. Ole Miss has a much better offense than their defense, and Ole Miss's offense relies a lot on free throws actually they are fifth in the nation at free throw percentage and they get um, a lot of their points from free throws as well almost 20 percent of their points from free throws um, which is a lot and so they they're able to get to the line they're able to knock down those shots and they're also not bad uh, from beyond the arc they're 35 percent 35.8 percent and you know their two-point percentage is 52.6 and they've definitely got some players. They have uh, Brienne Tyree, who's a 6'2 junior. He shoots about 39% from outside, and he shoots about 52% from the two. And then Terrence Davis, who's a 6'4 se- senior, he shoots about 37% from outside, uh, around 50% from the two. Uh, they've, they've, uh, besides that, there's not really anyone who is too terrifying. They don't have, you know. In the past, one of UVA's matchup problems has been stretch fours who can shoot kind of like a Brady Manic, so that's why I was scared of him. But honestly, Oklahoma or sorry, Ole Miss doesn't really have a person like that who can stretch the floor and shoot really well at the same time. Uh, Oklahoma likes to they're not really fast, they're not really slow. They just like to get up a good shot on offense. And so honestly, I think our better matchup is against with Oklahoma just based on the fact that their offense is not good, our defense is good, and Oklahoma's defense plays into our offense a little bit. You know, they like to slow it down. They're trying to get uh, opponents off guard, but I think that that plays a lot into what we do already, so I think that it would be a really good matchup for us. Honestly, I think we would take care of Mississippi as well. Mississippi doesn't really impress me. They've lost to, you know, some not great teams. Uh over the course of the year, they've also beaten some good teams. So I think that if we played either one, once again, we should win. But as we know in March, you know, there's weird things that happen. And one thing that I want to bring up now, you know, it was a quick, quick uh, look ahead. We don't like to look ahead too much, but I think it's useful, especially to see what, you know, might come up later. But I think something that's interesting, and Rob brought this up to me, actually. This was Rob's you know, whole spiel before he was unable to join us today, is that a lot of the guys on this team, besides Jack Salt, don't have any 
playing experience in the NCAA tournament, really. There's no, not a playing experience, but winning experience. There's no sense of winning in the NCAA tournament. If you think about our big three, Kyle, Ty, and Dre, neither of them, none of them really played that much their first year, their freshman year on the team. Uh, that was their the loss against Florida, the blowout loss in the second round. And they did, they did, especially, uh, well, of course, Dre redshirted that year, but Ty and Kyle started to play more, but they only got one win, and then they had a blowout loss to Florida in the second round. So they didn't get past the first weekend. The next year, their sophomore year, everyone's playing Dre, but Dre gets hurt, so he still hasn't played in the NCAA tournament game. And Ty and Kyle can't carry the team, and we lose to UMBC in the first round and we don't make it out of the first weekend again. And so a lot of players on this team, you know, except for Jack, haven't had success in the NCAA tournament. There has been no success for that. And something with the NCAA tournament, you know, if you think about Tom Izzo, you know, (laughs) longtime fake arch rival of UVA fans in Michigan State, they always have experience in March, because they they always seem to make those deep runs, and they always seem to have players who have made a deep run know what to expect in March, and people always say that's a huge you know benefit because there's the pressure, there's the the big stage that you're on, there's the TVs, there's the arena that isn't necessarily filled with your fans or your opponents' fans. It's just a lot of random people sometimes, and honestly, you know, having that experience I think is really helpful in March. And unfortunately, we don't have that because of the circum—excuse me—the circumstances that have you know happened over the past couple of years for UVA. I think that this year is the year that we should be able to get that experience. We should be able to go far this year. I don't know how far we'll go. Personally, I have Virginia winning the whole bracket. I always have trouble not picking Virginia winning March Madness. Uh, it'll probably be my downfall eventually. But what happens is my fandom gets in the way. And I truly believe in this team. And I truly believe in where they can go. This is the year. I mean, this is the year that we need to make a run. We have the, uh, the experienced players. We have the NBA talent. We have the upcoming younger players. I think this is a really good time for UVA to be able to make a run. And if we're going to make a run, this is it. Not, this is not to say that we don't have more chances in the future. We have really good recruiting classes coming in. We have really good players coming in who will stay next year. Mamadi and Jay will still be here next year, as far as we know. Kihei will still be here next year, as far as we know. But this year, we know what we have, we know what players we have, and we know what we can do. And so hopefully this year is the year that we break through but that's why we watch the games, and that's why March Madness is so fun, because we don't know what is going to happen. And luckily for me, I'm able to go down to Columbia uh, on Friday, so when you're listening to this, I'll be in Columbia, I'll be watching the games, and I'll be there until Sunday, so hopefully we get to that second round, because otherwise I'm going to be super sad in South Carolina for no reason. Um, So if you see me down there, uh, make sure to hit me up, because that'll be really fun. But otherwise... I hope you enjoy the games. Make sure to watch somewhere. If you can't watch, 
uh, definitely fake getting sick or get sick on purpose so that you can watch the game. It'll be a good game. It'll be good for all UVA fans to get this off our chest if we can win it. Hopefully, Rob and I are able to hook back up after the weekend is over, get a pod out, and we'll talk about the weekend's game. So, Thank you for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat and Instagram, which are run by Rob at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Podbean and iTunes if you want to keep listening to <laughs> Rob and I. Hopefully, not just me, because <laughs> you know talking is great, but talking with Rob is so much better. So I hope he comes back soon. Anyway, thank you for listening once again. We love you all. Go Hoos! Beat Gardner Webb.